0: Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences.
1: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Baltolini.
0: Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we've got some fantastic interviews for you. This week, we'll start with Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison is the hottest free agent in MMA right now, and she's got a lot on her plate, uh, or at least a lot to consider going forward. And we had a nice chat about that. because uh, some scenarios I ran by her that I thought maybe she might be interested in. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that during that interview. And, of course, this card headlined by Misha Tate uh, this coming Saturday against Catlin Vieira. And there's a lot of great fighters from the Pacific Northwest. And I'll be speaking to all of them on the show. You've got Misha Tate. You've got Michael Chiesa, who's in the co-main event. And you've got uh, Terrence McKinney, who's looking to piggyback off of a seven-second KO win in his UFC debut. That's going to be a tough act to follow, but he's taking on Fares as I am on Friday, or on Saturday, rather, at UFC Fight Night, and we're going to see how that goes for him. So why don't we jump right into it? We've got four great interviews, and we'll start with Kayla Harrison, the hottest free agent in MMA right now, and she joins us on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. I'm now joined by the hottest free agent in mixed martial arts. It's Kayla Harrison, who has been making the rounds lately. You were at the uh, Bellator event for Cyborg's Fight. You were at the UFC event uh, to support some of your training partners. Uh, What's free agency been like for you so far? Catch me up.
2: Yeah, life is good, you know. Um, I think it's a beautiful time, really, for me to kind of sit back and enjoy the years of hard work that went into this. Um, you know, everyone just sees this year or they see my MMA career, but we're, we're talking about from six years old, you know, to being 16 with $5 in my bank account, moving to Boston and working 50 hours a week at a hardware store and waking up at 5 AM to train before I went to high school, before I went to the hardware store, before I went to train at night and scraping by for years. Um, but having a faith that it was all going to work out. And. If you had told me at 16, this is a position I would be in, I would definitely have been like, nah, you're pretty crazy. But I am, I'm here, it's happened, I've worked really hard, I'm really proud of myself and um, I'm excited for what the future holds, I am.
0: The Olympic dream is really something. I had a girl on my street, uh, one of my neighbors who just won, I think it was a couple, she won a couple gold medals in swimming, or sorry, not gold medals, a couple medals in swimming this past Mm -hmm. Olympics. And just to see her getting up at 4 a.m., going and you know, grinding and trying to to become one of the best in the world is like, wow, (laughs) it takes a lot of effort to just have this one moment at the Olympics, Uh like it's just one event. I I, I just think it speaks so much to the commitment of an athlete that is able to to rise to that occasion and and become the best in the world at something. Even if you win a bronze, I mean, it's just, it's completely absurd.
2: No, I think about that all the time. Like you have to be a special kind of crazy to dedicate your entire life to one moment, you know, like it's, and it's if you mess up, like there's no take backsies, there's no fight six months later, it's four, you got to wait another four years to, to try and get that back. And my favorite saying about the Olympics is it's not every four years, it's every day, you know, it's just it is it's every day you wake up and you open the fridge or you think about hitting the snooze button or you think about skipping that session or you're really sore or your friends are all going out you know, it's Friday night and you're like, well, I got practice on Saturday morning, so I can't like, it's, it's a commitment. And it's, uh, it takes discipline and sacrifice and and hard work and perseverance to, to get to that spot. But I can tell you from experience that it's absolutely a hundred percent without a doubt worth it. The best moments of my life weren't spent in a club or, you know, with a beer or whatever, the best moments of my life were spent on the mats um, with my best friends, traveling the world, doing what I loved. The best moments of my life weren't even on top of the podium. They were everything that I did to get to that podium, you know? Those were the, I guess, the good old days (laughs) that everybody talks about. I'm getting old enough to say good old days now, that's sad. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I, I hear you. I'm I'm, I'm getting up there in age as well. I was thinking back to, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine about the first concert that I went to today, and I was like, my son is like that age now. It's just, it freaked me out. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I digress. About, yeah, in terms of the free agency, how involved are you? Like, are you um, on the phone with uh, your agent Ali every single day and, and learning about what's going on? Um, or are you kind of just sitting back and waiting for them to come to you?
2: No, I mean, I do like, I... Uh no, I'm just, I'm just enjoying my life. You know, I think that, um, Ali, that's why I pay him, you know, this now it's, I did my part. I did my job. I, I was very dominant. I talked a little bit of smack this year, got people to pay attention. And then I went out there and I handled my business and now it's time for Ali to kind of do his job and figure out where the best spot for me is. And, um, obviously we're talking all about all this as if PFL is not You know, I have nothing but good things to say about the PFL. I don't, um, if it works out, it works out that we get a deal done. That'd be great. I have no um, ill will or anything like that towards them. I hope, I believe in the format. I believe in the system. I believe in what the PFL stands for, but I got to do what's best for me. And I know that Ali and my coaches will figure that out.
0: Absolutely. And I think that the PFL thing is a little bit overstated because you've never said anything bad about the PFL. It's just yeah. that your legacy is incredibly important to you. And in Absolutely. the PFL, there's only a certain ceiling that you're going to be able to achieve in terms of, I guess, mixed martial arts lore, so to speak. And yep. the other options ha- might not, you, you might make it, take a pay cut, really, to end up mm. in a in a different organization.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm at that point now where I'm not going to have to take a pay cut to end up in a different organization, um, I don't, but I don't know. I, I, you know, I said before the season was over, I know that PFL and Ollie were trying to get a deal done before the finals. It didn't come to fruition. Um, and I just made it very clear that I would be happy to stay there for a certain amount of money. You know, I have, legacy is so important to me. It is the thing to me. You know, that is, I don't fight to be famous. I don't fight to be rich. I don't fight to, um, I don't know. I I don't fight for anything other than the fact that I want to be the best in the world. Um, and I love the pursuit of greatness. That's what, that's, that's my passion. You know, the pursuit of greatness, being able to use the platform to do good things in the world. That's, that's what motivates me. But I also, my life has changed drastically in the last year and a half. Um, you know, and I am sort of the, I have other responsibilities now that I have to to put into play. It's not just about selfishly what's, what's best for me and what I want. Um, I have to think about my family now and that, that weighs heavy on my mind and on my heart. So it's going to play a role in where I go and what I do. I think also that I'm, I'm very confident that I can do it all. I'm very confident that I can, um, make everything that I want to happen, happen. And it might not be on everyone else's timeline, but I know that I can make it happen on my timeline, whatever that looks like. If it's tomorrow, if it's six months from now, I I have the utmost faith in my coaches and my team and my manager and in me to to create the legacy I want while having a fruitful, um, you know, but and still get paid like I think I can have it all which may be crazy but I have that I have that belief I know I work hard I know I deserve it and um I'll get there
0: let's back up the truck for a second so was there a scenario where the PFL could have locked you in for the next season like b- before the end of the yep. season okay so there was yep. it was just a dollar situation where they needed to come I up I mean with there a was just like a lot thing.
2: of yeah just a little nitpicky things um you know, not and, and again, nothing personal, nothing against the PFL. It's just that this is business. And um, I've learned a lot about business over the last few years, especially um, about what I want and what I don't want, what I'm willing to accept, what I'm not willing to accept. So just like contract stuff that um, is going to be necessary in order for me to stay put.
0: Uh, here's the burning question, at least in my opinion. You know, Dana White's been coming out and saying, "I don't know if Kayla Harrison can hang with our girls. You got to beat the best in the world, and you know, <laughs> yada yada yada." But are the UFC interested? Have they expressed interest in signing Kayla Harrison?
2: Um, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on there. I stay kind of. I stay uh, at arm's length from all that. It's not my job to know who's asking about me and who's what dollar sign they put next to my name and um we'll see i don't know we'll see what happens i
0: mean bellator have been very vocal about their interest Mm -hmm. but um you know you don't know at all if the ufc have reached out if there's been any overtures on their part to see at least put their you know put their rod in the water and see if they can catch the fish
2: i'm not even sure that technically they can yet i think the 30-day period hasn't ended yet for pfl like i i think i have exclusivity with them until thanksgiving from what i understand i don't know how all this works to be honest that's why i stay away from it because i'm like i don't know i don't know
0: you just wait for the you're just waiting for the terms to come across your desk and if they work for you that's that's how it's going to go basically yeah,
2: yeah like i'm just waiting for i'm just waiting for ali and my coaches to say this is the one sign this one and then i send it to my lawyer and i say is this the one like is this right and then we all say okay and then i'll sign it
0: well, Cyborg, I think, is a, an interesting matchup for you uh, I in terms of Bellator. I, I think that uh, she looked good, of course, in her last fight. But I, uh, I think that that's the biggest fight Bellator can probably make right now is, is Kayla Harrison versus Cyborg. And I think they know that. Scott Coker has said that he's he's been interested. Uh, so mm-hmm. is that a, that's a potential landing spot?
2: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, listen, I'm open. Um, I don't have a contract right now with anyone. So once that um, grace period is over, I think I'm assuming that offers will come in um and I'll have to to look at all of the options weigh all the options but you know I've made no it's no secret that I would love to fight cyborg and I think that she would like to fight me I, I think I don't know she's um she's one of the greats in the sport you know that's for me it would be an honor to share the cage with her
0: but the next move is going to be mixed martial arts. You know, I'm not one of these uh Mark Raimondi uh aerial types that likes pro wrestling, but is pro wrestling an option uh no. at all if they were to throw big money at you.
2: No. No. I they're like I I yeah, no, they're I'm so glad I'm talking to an adult and not a, a <laughs> child right now. Thank you. Um no, I'm going to I'm a fighter. I fight. That's what I do. I don't I don't play dress up and play pretend. That's what I do but with my kids. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm not trying to slag those guys at all, but I, I'm, I'm yeah, I I'm mean, kind of with you. I, although, as someone who used to watch pro wrestling back when I was younger, uh, I think yeah, that you would be great
2: too. at it. Yeah, well, of course. And then I grew up, and then I realized that you know, <laughs> there's a real sport that's calling my name. Um, you can, you can call a spade a spade. They are nerds. It's all right.
0: I mean, of the three of us, I'm the one with the glasses, so I mean, I'm sure that they would argue otherwise. But you're
2: the one with the the head on his shoulders, all right? The, those two are like lost in this fantasy land. I was just with Mark yesterday, and he had like some blazer with his T-shirt again, and we wanted to talk about, it. and I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this, Mark. This this is brutal for me. They know that
0: you'd be good at it. I think that's why I keep coming up is because you 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 can talk and yeah, talk, you'd have the skills that, to do listen, it, and you'd be great this at it. Is,
2: this I this is a conversation I just had at the gym today. Um <clears throat> I got my team captain letterman jacket today from Richie and I went to sparring to help out, you know, some of the some of the kids who have some fights coming up and um at the end of the practice, you know, Pitbull is like, "All right, captain, close us out." And I gave this like from the depths of my soul like, "Pump up, let's go. We're f- fucking ATT, excuse me. (laughs) We're freaking ATT. We're, you know, like a, a, a chest beating, like gladiator speech. And then we closed out and then everyone agreed that I'm team captain. And then Mo came up to me and he was like, listen, you need to do wrestling, Kayla. After you're done, you're going to wrestle. I'm going to help you. We're going to do this. He was like, he's so adamant that I have to do wrestling now. And I was like, not you too, Mo. Like, can we just Let's just let's shelf this for now, all right?
0: Well, he said the key word is that after you're done. I don't think I don't think he, don't think he wants you to go right now and, and go into yeah. test those waters.
2: Yeah, he did. It was it was funny though.
0: But that would be an option then, right? Like if you decided to retire from mixed martial arts and they threw no. money at you and they they said we want Kayla no. Harrison to to rock people at wrestling, you know?
2: Yeah. Listen, I'm at the point in my life where I'm just trying to be present and enjoy the moment and. Um, Make sure I get my kids to school on time, and I don't forget anybody's lunchbox, and like everyone's shoes are tied. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I would have no problem beating up, you know, their entire roster. That'd be easy. easy well, I've luck. got
0: I've got a good answer for you. if People ask you about pro wrestling. Just say if you want to see me judo throw somebody through a table, watch that prank show that I was on.
2: Yeah, and practical jokers. That would be that <laughs> would be about that would be the level they're probably at in comparison to me. Those wrestlers. It would be like that.
0: All right. Well, uh, I I do hope that you uh, end up getting this uh, sorted out soon. But like you said, there's an exclusive window for the PFL to match, I guess, Mm -hmm. any offer that comes that expires uh, in the next week or so.
2: I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I I have no idea. Don't ask me. (laughs) Don't ask me what's happening in my career, apparently. Just talk to me about wrestling and uh, I don't know. Uh, Give me the not hard-hitting questions, apparently. Well, there's I'm
0: a lot of questions kidding. that I'd love to ask you about, like, you know, facing Amanda Nunes, but she's your friend. It's weird. <laughs> it's like we're in this weird yeah. spot as people interviewing you because yeah. we know that all these outcomes have, like, these kind of strings attached to them.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, Amanda and I have talked about it and Nina and I have talked about it and you know that's why i have such respect for amanda and nina like nina said to me she was like listen we get it like i would nina was like i would fight amanda for the right <laughs> you know for the shot at the title like i get, you know so and that's but we are friends and i i enjoy um training with her i feel like it's been such a good period of, of time in my life to to get better and to be at the gym and just soak up all the knowledge and then you know we come in we train hard then we Friggin', you know, talk about our kids and (laughs) what's going on with them. It's, it's been really good. So yeah, I don't want to, you're right. It's like, what, why talk about it right now when nobody knows what's going to happen. Let's take it one day at a time and and see where we land. But for now, I'm just the, the biggest breaking news that I have is I am officially team captain and, uh, um, I am officially a mother. I adopted my kids. It's official. And, uh, what else? That's it. That's all I got. That's it. That's the only breaking news you're going to get from me.
0: Oh, here's my last question for you. Are you worried that the 145-pound division in the UFC, the future of it, hinges upon you?
2: I know it's not going anywhere. I know it's not going anywhere.
0: How can you say that confidently? I mean, there's, there's what, three women on the roster, four women on the roster that uh, fight at 145 pounds?
2: I just, I know it's not going anywhere. It's It's good. I know it's not going anywhere.
0: Okay, so you're going to state that as a, as a matter of fact? You've been told this by somebody?
2: No, I'm just... I just... I have confidence that the 145-pound division is here to stay.
0: And what about the PFL? Are they thinking of adding any other women's divisions, as far as you understand?
2: You know, I don't know. I would love to ask them about that, because I think it'd be a great idea. Um... I know they've done a great job of signing like Julia Budd. I know that they're continuing to try to build the 155 pound division, but I think that bringing in another women's division would, would be a great idea, fantastic. So we'll see. Maybe I should reach out and just like put that in there. Put well, in People there, thought yeah. I
0: was crazy because I said, if you want to bring Kayla Harrison back to the PFL, open a 45 division and have her compete in both tournaments. It's a lot of action and you know, you, you can make oh up for gosh. lost time well, not doing MMA be... and you can win a million dollars in each pop. tournament.
2: That would be so fun. Oh my gosh. I, that would be fantastic. The only, the hardest part would be like making 145 four times in a year. That would be... Oh, man, I would not be fun to be around, but I could do it. I just wouldn't enjoy it.
0: Well, that's what people said. They said it would be too hard on your body to, to fluctuate between, uh, between the two <coughs> weight classes.
2: Yeah, right? It would be tough, for sure. I don't know how these guys do... Some of these fighters, you know, they cut the 40 pounds or the 30 pounds. I mean, I walk around at like one... I mean, between 160 and 165. And I do not know how these guys who fight like 155 get up to 190, to, you know. I'm like, you guys are insane. That can't be good for you.
0: Well, is fighting this weekend. He's at 170 now. But uh, right. I, there, there was a time back in the day where I saw him backstage. A, a fight at Lightweight had fallen out that weekend. I think it was actually the, the Habib Ferguson fight when Habib mm-hmm. had the weight complication. I went up to him. I said, mm-hmm. if they offered you that fight, would you take it? He goes, well, yeah, I probably would, but I weigh 192 pounds right now. So yeah, it's like he was you know cutting I mean? almost 40 pounds to make yeah, it, like it just yeah, seems you crazy see what I mean?
2: to me. I'm so glad he moved up. That's like and look how good it's been for his career as well, you know. I hope more fighters take a take a page out of his book cuz it that's it's yeah. Wait, well, you
0: said, there's, you said there's no headlines here. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But the, the headline, I guess, now would be, you know, K- Kayla wants the PFL to open a 45 division so she can just win two <laughs> tournaments every year, double her pay, double the amount of fights every year, and then there you go.
2: Kayla says, bring more women, 145, 155, 165, 120. No, not 135. I could never do that. But, yeah, bring more. No, I don't. Who knows? That'd be fun, though. It's an it's a f- interesting thing to think about.
0: Now, you wouldn't do both on the same night, but that that finale show... Right, I mean, right, right. Let, I, I do like... I, I saw said at the end of the show, your, the look on your daughter's face was like all of us after that last show. It was like nine hours long. Oh
2: uh, my they
0: need God. to cut it in half.
2: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I told them... I I was like... I said, I don't even want to be in the main event anymore. Make me the first fight on the card <laughs> so I can go to bed at a decent hour. <laughs> I was so... T- Kyla was like... First she was exhausted because she's her bedtime is 7:30 and just the whole night and all that and she was very overwhelmed and so she went to bed and I after the press conference and all that I went up to the room we fell asleep we woke up the next morning she said mom did you win I said yes honey we won but that's how like that's how exhausted she was after the 12 hour show.
0: Well, I I could have guessed the next morning that you had won, but I, I yeah, it was it was an exhausting night. It was like, a, it, was it was a very, long. Uh, it, there were a lot of great fights, tons of great fights. Yeah. Okay, just just split it in two. Make it a two-night thing. Make it a, a Friday and Saturday.
2: Yeah. it's not a bad idea, actually. Then I could do 145 and 155.
0: Yeah, see, they should just throw me, put me in charge of the PFL. I've got all the answers I know, for you.
2: yeah. What are you doing? Get behind, get out of there. Like, you, you gotta come work for the PFL. <laughs>
0: all right Kayla well I always appreciate your time Uh, best of luck on uh, this next chapter the free agency chapter uh, and we'll see where you end up Uh, when when do you hope to have a decision made by
2: I mean I would like to um, I would like to have a new contract for Christmas I think that'd be a good present to myself Um, but I there's no there's no hard timeline for me on what I I mean I definitely want to fight again soon so I need a contract to do that.
0: (laughs) All right, Kayla. always appreciate your time. uh, And we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Thank you.
0: It's our first five-round fight since UFC 200. Misha Tate back in action against Ketlin Vieira this weekend. Does a five-round fight benefit you here, in your opinion?
3: Yes. A 10-round fight would benefit me more.
0: You know, it's funny. i have
3: conditioning for days
0: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that i spoke to terence mckinney another uh pacific northwest uh individual like yourself he says that when he trains he trains ten, 10 rounds of sparring i said is that normal and he was like no it's not but do you do 10 rounds of sparring
3: no i don't <laughs> but i know that i'm ready for that um you know i've learned my lesson about overtraining we train very specific but uh my recovery says it all you know i recover very quick in 60 seconds and uh I can get tired, but I don't stay tired. So that's, that's the difference. Um, so that's, that means I could go in limited rounds.
0: Well, you've been around since basically the, the popularization of women's MMA and its you know, ascension into the mainstream. But you look at where the sport was at back then, even in the UFC 200 days versus where it's at now in terms of the science behind MMA. How much better do you think you could have been if you got into the sport, I guess, at the same age you did back then now?
3: Well, there's only one way to find out. I mean, we can't go back in time, but I know the difference that I'm making right now in my career and everything that's uh, benefiting me. Having the knowledge behind it, you know, I've got heart rate monitors, I got my ordering, I have access to the UFCPI, all the recovery things, and I've got to give a big shout out to the Training Lab with Coach Cal and Coach Corey because uh, they have put together a very extensive program that's more than just strength and conditioning, and uh, it's really elevated my my. Physicality on so many levels that uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself because I just can't believe that that I'm capable of doing this that you know my god given body is capable of having two kids and then coming back better than I was before so uh, would have been crazy to see if if I had entered the sport at a later point, but i'm glad to have the perspective you know I can really appreciate this knowing what I didn't have before. And it gives me an added boost of confidence knowing that it's that much better now.
0: And how much would you attribute to the mental game? I mean, you talked about how when you decided to retire, you were out, like you, you were just sat like zapped mentally. And now, of course, your life is completely different. And it seems like that part of the game is what has really elevated you.
3: Yeah, I mean, the body follows the mind. So You're absolutely right. When the mindset had left me, when I didn't really have anything left in my soul, so to speak, in my heart, I knew that I had to walk away from the sport and I thought that that was going to be finite. I never thought that I would be coming back and doing this again, but it was more so that I never thought I would want to. And It took me about four years to really uh, allow for that conversation and that thought to cross my mind again. And that's when I knew that I wanted to fight again because I think I was healed. I knew I was healed from all that past trauma and the things that I associated with the sport that I thought were so detrimental and negative to me really wasn't even so much about the sport. It was just more about me and what was going on in my personal life. And I think those things are um, expressed a lot of times when we fight, when we go through hardships, you know, whether we fight through it valiantly or sometimes it swallows swallows us up. But it would be a shame for me not to actually be able to put my best foot forward in this sport before I leave it entirely. So this is me, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to get me at my very best.
0: When you started training again, was there a degree of PTSD at all in terms that you mentioned trauma, but in terms of coming back to the sport, like when you're back in the training room, does anything click in about the past that you kind of wanted to get rid of? Or was that kind of a cathartic thing is once you got back in there, you realized it wasn't the same situation and that kind of was all in the past?
3: There was a lot of uh, realizations for me once I got back into it. But a lot of that I knew before I made that decision. I knew I was in a better place. And I knew that I could do better than I did before. But it's one thing to see that in the future. And it's another thing to go out there and actually get it and accomplish it. You know, which remains to be seen. I have obviously very big goals. And um, I answered a lot of questions, I think, on my, my return fight but now i have some new fresh blood in the division she was not in the ufc when i retired and so she's a new face uh, a lot of people want to say you know that the division has somehow passed me by yet we still have the same champion in the division as when i left and she's only a couple years younger than i am so you know what i just i'm not buying into it i don't think the sport's passed me by at all and i think this will be the perfect opportunity for me to show that um, being a refreshed veteran is actually the best position that anyone could ask to be in.
0: Now tell me if you think this is fair. This is fair. I mean, you're somebody who's also been part of the analysis end of uh, mixed martial arts for some time uh, over the past couple of years. Katlyn Vera shrinks when there's a lot of pressure on her to perform, when she's in the big spots. Do you agree with that? Is that fair to say?
3: I think she tends to... Uh, put too much pressure on herself probably. And I, and, and, you know, it's around the circumstances around her probably. And I think she's, you know, she seems like a really nice woman. Um, but it's a lot to ask of anybody. And when you, when you base your whole livelihood off of winning or losing, I've been in there before. It is an insurmountable amount of pressure because it is your identity That's where I have grown and evolved. I no longer uh, identify as only with a result. I identify as a fighter, as a mother, as the radio show host, as an analyst, as so many things that make me complete as a person that I'm not really tied to an outcome. Of course, I have my dreams and I have my goals, but I'm not fighting not to lose anymore. I'm fighting to go out there and show my very best. This is the, this is chapter two and it's the final chapter. Not everybody gets a second chance. So I'm going to make the most of it. And I think a lot of times we see Ketlin sort of uh, fade in fights and that could be a mental thing. It could be uh, an overtraining thing. Um, I don't know exactly because I'm not with her every single day, but I just, I do know what it's like to, identify with an outcome. And that is the foundation of who you are. And that's where I see Ketlin. She's at that point where she hasn't made it yet. She has a chip on her shoulder. She has so much to prove and, and so many people she feels like are riding on her shoulders. Like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. And, uh, I know it's a tough spot to be in, you know, I, I kind of, it kind of sucks that I have to beat her up on Saturday because I think she's probably a really cool chick, but It is what it is. You know, I've been there before. I see it. I recognize it. Um, I've got big goals and big dreams and things I've got to do, too. So I can't feel too sorry for her. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday.
0: Do you feel like she can fight at her best over the course of five rounds? Because later in fights, she tends to slow down. These are three round fights. I feel like she really needs to manage her output over the course of the five round fights. Do you agree with that?
3: I would think that would be a smart game plan, but I honestly don't think it matters what she does. I think that if she comes out guns blazing and tries to take me on a round one, it's a mistake. And I think that if she tries to hang in there with me for five rounds, it's an even bigger mistake. So I just don't see a way for her to uh, manage the pace. You know, I am a veteran, but I'm fresh in the way that I approach this sport having taken you know, four plus years away. Um, there's people don't know what to expect. They still don't know. They didn't know what to expect when I fought Mari and everyone thought that it was a coin flip who would win that fight. And after I dominated it and I finished a woman who had never been finished, you know, people would want to discredit that and still say, well, we still don't know. We don't, we don't this, we don't that. Well, she took out, you know, somebody who uh, wasn't in the top 10. Okay, well, this is a proper progression, right? I mean, this is what you would expect the progression to be when I took five years off and I had two children to come back and fight. Mari was ranked 12 at the time, had never been finished in the UFC. Yes, she didn't have the greatest record, but she also was never dominated. She was never dominated in her whole career. I was the only person to do that on a five-year layoff. So I think there is more takeaways from that fight than people are willing to give me credit for. But that's fine, because truthfully, I would much prefer to be looked at as the underdog. Um, I I like being the underdog, and uh, I feel like I thrive in that position. But um, I like proving people wrong. I like to prove people wrong.
0: Well, I'll say this. You are close to a title fight. I you know my producer called me today and he goes, if Misha wins like is she going to get a title shot? I said, let's, well let's put up, pull up the rankings and see what we've got here and kind of assess the situation. Like, you know, right now if you win, the only person that Nunes hasn't fought for the title that's would be ranked ahead of you, you know, if, if you do uh, take Ketlin's spot, would be Irina Aldana who was supposed to face Holly Holm and that fight got uh, got scrapped. But I feel like if if you win this fight, If the UFC wants to make a heavily promotable fight, you versus Amanda makes a ton of sense. Of course, Juliana Pena, don't want to overlook her. I know she's your training partner and, uh, you know, your disciple from The Ultimate Fighter, uh, someone who you're very close with. But it's just, it's incredible that two wins, maybe even, uh, you know, if you end up fighting Aldana next, after that, like, you're right there. Does that seem like it's too soon?
3: Um, I think I'm just going to have to assess after this Saturday. So I've got to start with Catlin Vieira you know, she's a formidable opponent. She can really do it all. She's not afraid to stand on the feet. She definitely spends a good amount of, a good chunk of her fights are, are you know, take place on the feet. So I know she's comfortable there, but she does have that black belt in judo, a black belt in jujitsu. And, uh, she's good in those departments as well. So I know she's going to be a real test, but at the same time, if I go out there and win in the way that I'm planning on winning, I believe that absolutely puts me in title conversation. And you're right. The only other person that possibly make sense besides myself is Irene Aldana, But the thing that Irene doesn't have on her side is the history, right? That Amanda and I have. So as you know, as well as I know, um, business is business and sometimes the storyline and and what is going to interest people the most is what takes precedent. So we'll see, you know, I, like I said, I'm not, um, I don't want to take forever, but I don't want to rush myself either. So I think, it really comes down to the performance this Saturday. If I get a great finish and I feel good, you might just see me gunning for the title. And if I feel like, you know, we need one more to get in there and mix it up, or even if it's the, the proper progression again, then uh, that's an option too. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, if you come flying out the gates and, and beat uh, Catlin Vera, I, I think everybody's going to be talking about you uh, come Monday in terms of who's going to be fighting next like for the to title. i like so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, I mean, let's not put the cart before the horse, but... Uh, If Juliana Pena ends up beating Amanda Nunes, then where do you go from there? I mean, that that puts you in a bit of a tricky spot.
3: Oh, yeah, not really. It doesn't put me in a tricky spot. I mean, I want Julie to win, and I think she has all the ability in the world to do it. I want to see her become a champion before all is said and done because I think she's put in her dues. She has paved the way in so many aspects in this sport, and uh, she never gets enough credit. So I would love to see her, you know, nothing more than her become the champion when she fights Amanda um, but with that being said, I mean, if she wins, what I see happening is an immediate rematch. Um, so we'd have to run that fight one more time. She would have to win it again. Um, if she does win a second time, right? Okay. So we're, then we're really looking to the future, and I feel like that's just never really a—we can't predict those things in, in, that far in the future. So we just take it one fight at a time. Um, if Julie wins, I'll be happy. I'll, you know, we'll celebrate Christmas and the holidays, and then we'll just reassess after after the New Year what that looks like.
0: Yeah, we put the car very far uh, in front of the horse, I guess. In yeah, that situation. Uh,
3: <laughs> like really far. They weren't even connected anymore.
0: You know, I got my interview <laughs> schedule uh, last week for for this event. and It was yourself, Michael Chiesa, and uh, Terrence McKinney. Everybody's from the Pacific Northwest. You got Juliana uh, fighting for the title. Like, the Pacific Northwest is booming right now.
3: It's always booming. We have some <laughs> of the best, the most talented people up there. I don't know, maybe something in the corn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Washington State uh, certainly has a big weekend ahead uh, at UFC Fight Night. Yourself, Ketlin Vieira in the main event. Always appreciate your time, Misha, and look forward to seeing you perform once more this weekend.
3: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Misha. Well, as my people call it, a Schwitz, is where I got Michael Chiesa tonight. He's in the sauna uh, <laughs> getting ready for, uh, for Sean Brady. Uh, a big fight this weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of fighters don't like taking these fights. You've got up-and-coming prospects, undefeated, uh, lower-ranked what compelled you to take this fight with john brady
1: uh you know after things uh transpired the way they did against vicente um i was just really anxious to get back in there and compete and you know to prove that i am that guy that i am one of the best in the world you know you got to take all comers so you know if that means fighting an undefeated sean brady then so be it let's do it i'm always up for the challenge i truly believe i can beat anybody in the world on any given day um and I, you know, I just want to test myself. And I think that this is a tough test for me. Um, but I know that I've done everything that I could possibly do to win this fight. And I know I am going to win this fight. So, um, like I said, man, I just, I want to be, if I want to continue to be that guy, I got to beat these tough up and comers. So someone's always got to go. And I lost mine in 2013. So it's going to be his,
0: Yeah, it was the Jorge Moswell, if I recall, that was your first loss.
1: Yes, sir. And I'll never forget him. You know, I'll never forget him for that. And and uh, with that being said, like I want to be that guy to Sean Brady. I want, I want, I literally, I want to take that out from him, and that way, it, throughout the rest of his life, people are like, oh, who was the first person we ever lost to? You're gonna have to say my name. So, I want to be the first guy to hand him his first loss.
0: Well, do you feel like a win like that means more than a, a win against a guy that's kind of established in the division? Like, let's say like a Bilal Muhammad or, or Wonder Boy. Like, there's a win over a guy who's undefeated. Do you think that raises your stock more? And do you think that a lot of fighters are kind of short-sighted when it comes to looking at that kind of thing? It's you know, it's it's high risk, but it's also high reward.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you fight a guy that's undefeated in the UFC, they're, they're, a, they're, a, you know, a big up and coming prospect, especially a guy like Sean Brady for the people that know mixed martial arts. We've all known who Sean is for quite some time now. You know, he, he was groomed on a very tough regional circuit and now he's gotten to the UFC and he's undefeated. And, uh, I, I think that when you, when you fight guys like that and you go out there and beat him, it bears a lot of weight. You know, I've fought the former champions. I've fought the grizzled veterans. I've fought a laundry list of different types of fighters in the UFC. You know, I've been here for, for almost 10 years. So now it's time for me to, to go out here and fight one of these guys It's a tough up-and-coming prospect. You know, everybody's talking about Hamza Chemaev. You know, what about the Sean Brady's? What about the Shabcat Rachmanov's? What about all these other guys that are really tough and undefeated? They need fights. You've got to give them their chance. And you give them their chance – with the intention of proving that you're still that guy, that you're championship caliber and you can beat anybody on any given day. And that's what I plan on doing on Saturday.
0: I noticed that you keep mentioning Shavkat in your interviews. Is that Danny seen greasing the wheels or something here? <laughs> Is he making you talk about Shavkat and upping upping his, uh, his profile?
1: <laughs> you know, he actually isn't, but I know he's going to be glad I'm doing it. I just think the guy's really tough. You know, it's like a... If you're a guy that's undefeated in the UFC and you're winning fights, I think everybody deserves some attention. I feel like I feel like he's one of the more overlooked guys that's making his way up. Uh, and if you if you ask anybody at Sanford MMA, they will say that this dude is legit. So, giving my guy uh, Shabcat some shine, and uh, you know he's he's another guy on the rise, man. He's another guy to watch.
0: He's also like what you were to the lightweight division. He is to his division. He's huge. He's like he's a mammoth guy.
1: Oh yeah, he's super tall, especially when he puts that hat on that half that he wears the weight makes him like six, nine, you know, but there's a ton of talent there. And it's like, it's these new, uh, you know, and these guys like shop Rachmanov and, and Sean Brady and, and, you know, these undefeated up and coming prospects, they deserve their shot to fight these guys that are up in the rankings. Um, uh, I'm just a guy that's willing to take those chances, Aaron. I'm not afraid to, to, uh, I'm not afraid to take chances in this sport. So, you know, I'm just excited for the opportunity to go out there and, uh, and just solidify my spot
0: do you prefer to talk about like just like current events in the ufc than you do your own fight when when it's fight week like would you rather just talk about your division instead of talking about sean brady
1: <laughs> i don't mind talking you know what i'm i'm down to talk anything mixed martial arts it's kind of my job you know what i mean i'm like you while i may be a competitor i'm still on the other side of the sport where maybe i'm not reporting things and maybe i'm not doing interviews but i'm always having to pay attention to uh the movement within within the sport of mixed martial arts, and uh, to be well informed, like yourself. And I actually part of my job also wear involves wearing those nice suits, like the one you got on there. I'm digging the plaid uh, the plaid blazer you got there.
0: I forgot to wear the uh, the the floral tie again. Whenever I interview you, I try to make a mental note to wear the floral tie as an homage to you, but I I, I forgot. And floral
1: patterns. I tell people all the time, floral patterns. So overlooked. I mean, anytime I wear that pink floral tie, I'm telling you, I get a lot of I get a lot of love for that tie. There's nothing wrong with one.
0: Got two of them hanging in the closet, like five feet from me, and I just uh, it's okay. Well, we'll move on. So the reason I, I ask about uh, just you know things that aren't necessarily related to your fights, your division is really intriguing right now. Like you look at what happened with Leon Edwards and Mousavat, all that fight kind of falling off. A lot of people believe that Edwards should be next in line, but I'm kind of of the opinion that he needs to beat somebody in the top five before he can get into that kind of spot. And do you agree? And if, if let's say they were going to make this Burns versus Shemaya fight, if Shamiya is able to beat a guy like a Gilbert Burns, ranked number two right now, should he be able to get fast tracked to a title shot in your opinion?
1: Man, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing for Leon Edwards. You know, because there is a recency bias in this sport, and. I have to tread lightly when I talk about Leon Edwards because I know how I would feel if I was in his position. Like, yes, there is a certain stretch of inactivity within, you know, these last couple of years with him. Like certain things that were in his control and certain things that were out of his control. He, he had no control over the pandemic and being stuck in England and things like that. Um, but I feel like when, when the UFC gave him that Nate Diaz fight, they're like, this is your chance to you go out and really put a stamp on a guy like Nate Diaz, which is not easy to do. Nate's extremely durable, um, but if he could have went out there and had that big statement win, I feel like he really could have cemented his spot. But Nate snatched that from him in the closing closing moments of that fight. So it, it, it's hard for me to say because I know if I was in Leon's spot, I know how I would feel. But I also know how the machine works, and if 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 they really make a Hamza Chamaya versus Gilbert Burns fight, and Hamza could go out there and win, you know, I think that he could be the guy that fights next. But you also have to understand that that fight should happen under the pretense that if, if Hamzat loses and Burns wins, how do you not put Burns back into a title fight? You know what I mean? He loses to Kamaru Usman, beats a Wonderboy, beats, beats a Hamzat Shumaya. You can't deny the guy. So it's a tough spot for Leon Edwards because if that fight happens, there is a chance he could get looked, looked past again.
0: I agree with you. And, I, and there's also the X factor of the guy who most recently beat the very talented Michael Chiesa and, and Vicente Luque, who I think he's, is also he, in the mix.
1: Exactly. And he's waiting in the wings. You know, so, he, you know, he's the guy looking for a fight right now. And and uh, I, I, I think that I think Vicente Luque, is, and that, maybe this is a little bit of bias on my side, but um, I think he's the second best guy at welterweight right now. Obviously, Camaro's the champ. Um, he's the champ for a reason. But, I mean, Vicente's on a great win streak. He's got a well-rounded set of skills. Um, you know, I learned that the hard way. Um, but, you know, there, he's a guy that still needs to get matched up. So, welterweight is very intriguing. Welterweight is very intriguing because at the top five, it's very stacked. It's very deep. But you also got this surge of rising contenders. You know, in, in the Sean Brady's, the, the Stavcats, the Chmias, you know, they're on their way up. So, um, really exciting division to be a part of. And I like I like being involved in it as a competitor. And I also like being on the outside of it as an analyst and that's uh, something that's a big fan of the sport.
0: That well, must be difficult for you, because you were right on the cut. You have won four in a row, and then this Luke fight happens. And I, I guarantee that if you watch that back, which I'm sure you have countless times, you can pinpoint the exact millisecond where something went wrong. Where, like, you, you, you could have done this and instead you did that, and that, that must... That, I understand why you want to get back in there with Sean Brady, because that kind of thing probably keeps you up at night.
1: Yeah, you know, it's... Uh, within this sport, you know, your wins have to be very short-lived, but when you lose, it's hard to, it's hard to just kind of get over them, you know, and... and and when it comes to being a competitor, the only time you should ever look back is if you're, if you're admiring like where you've gotten yourself to. You know, I only want to look back on things just to see how, where I've came from and how far I've come. I don't want to sit and just dwell on a loss and look to the past like that. So, uh, you know, that, that was, that's what got me to get over the Vicente Luque fight so fast was just getting – getting back to being active, just getting right back into training camp. And, I mean, I literally – I didn't really spend much time dwelling on it because we booked this fight so shortly after um, the vicente Luque fight. So that's been good for me, and uh, I'm excited to see what, what's next for Vicente. A lot of fun things you could do with that guy. You know, the Nate Diaz fight's right there, um, and there's a laundry list of other fights you can put him in there. It'll be a lot of fun. So um, I'm just excited to go out there on Saturday, beat a tough prospect at Sean Brady, solidify my spot within this division so i can get back to fight the guys at the top of the heap
0: yeah absolutely and there are a lot of great matchups for you as well like should should you win this weekend you've got the guys like the gilbert burns the colby covingtons like all these guys that are at the top of the division and you're right there with them again like you can almost erase that one wrong and then you're right back in the mix which is again this is such an intriguing division there are really not a lot of matchups that you can make here that are not great
1: i couldn't agree with you more and it's uh it's it's what makes being a competitor at welterweight so fun. Is there's just there's no shortage of tough fights. There's not an easy fight inside sight at 170 pounds, and uh, I'm excited for the challenges they present. And I know you talk a lot about uh, potential opponents that could come after this fight. There's only one person I'm trying to get matched up with when this fight gets over. And that's my fiance. I got to get married. So. <laughs> you know once i get done with this sean brady fight get my hand raised uh my next opponent will probably be at the altar and then we'll figure out what's next
0: after that see the clickbait went immediately in my mind he's, he's going to call out colby covington but then of course you know it was your fiance you know uh, there's no head no headline there i guess i could say uh kiesa has his next big call out plan for after the event and then people will click on it to see what it is and then i, c- I can use that We c- we, c- we can work with that there you go <laughs> <laughs> And and lastly, uh, this is a, a great card for the Pacific Northwest. You got Misha Tate headlining, you're uh in the the co main event, you got Terrence McKinney who I spoke with earlier today, he's in at Sam Hughes. There's just a lot of representation uh, for Washington State in this card.
1: Yeah, and you know the cool thing about it Aaron is you know, when I had my second MMA practice ever in my entire life, Misha Tate was the coach. So it's like, you know, I uh obviously from there her and I became teammates, become a good friend of mine but it's like three generations of Washington fighters on one card. You know, it's really cool to be, be a part of this and Misha kind of led the way. She's a pioneer in, in women's martial arts as well as a pioneer for us fighters out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, and then people like me and Sam Cecilia, we, we came in behind her and Cody McKenzie and um, you know, that, that ge- my generation of fighters. And then now you got people like Sam Hughes and Terrence McKinney and uh, you know, Brady Heaston, he's a part of that generation with, with Terrence and other guys making their way up. So it's a, uh, it's cool to be a part of a uh, part of like Washington's history in mixed martial arts, I guess you could say. So it's going to be a big card for the Washingtonians, and I think we're all looking forward to going out and snatching some doves and seeing if the P and Dove can uh, go undefeated for the weekend.
0: And then in about four weeks, then, another second-generation Washingtonian, J- Juliana Pena, with a big opportunity. That's going to be an awesome fight.
1: Oh yeah, super! I'm super excited for that. She's been training so hard. She's so hungry. Um, you know, and and I and we all know what she's capable of. I feel like Juliana. Um, there's something that her and I have in common is I feel like we're very overlooked. For us, for people that know Juliana and have trained with her, they know that she has so much tenacity, so much drive, so much focus. She's one of the hardest working human beings I have ever met, uh, and I'm excited to see her hard work pay off for her on December 11th and know that I'm going to be there in the crowd cheering her on. So uh, it's, a, it's a big, you know, the next four weeks, is a bit, it's big for, for the uh, Pacific Northwest, so we're all going to get through our fights, and then we're going to be in Julie's corner cheering
0: on. All right, Mike. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, best of luck this weekend. I uh, look forward to uh, you returning to the win column against Sean Brady, and I uh, hope to speak with you again soon.
1: Thank you, Aaron. Take it easy, brother.
0: This is a fighter who knows he does not get paid by the hour it's Terrence McKinney. Four straight wins, all in the first minute and a half of his fights, and he's back in the cage this weekend against Fares Ziam. What's the secret? I mean, it, you know, being able to beat people in this kind of manner, so many fights in a row. You gotta have something, uh you know something that you're hiding from us. What what's what's the secret to getting all these fast wins?
4: Um, my coach always tells me be first and that's just the mentality we want. We wanna set the tone right away. We we train all camp. We don't need to fill it out. We know my range. I know when I'm in range and it's I got that kill or be kill mentality, you know, I'm ready to die for my dream and so you gotta kill me. It's the only way you're gonna defeat
0: Oh, this is uh, quite the card for the Pacific Northwest. I, I feel like this card should be in Washington State. You've got yourself, Misha Tate, and your former wrestling coach, Michael Chiesa, all on the same card. Uh, have you had a chance to speak with them as of yet?
4: No, nah, I'm just focusing on my fight right now and just getting in the zone and getting my weight down. And they're probably doing the same.
0: What's like the ultimate Pacific Northwest card? Like if they were going to do a card in Seattle... Or something along those lines. Like, who's on that card? It's got, you've got the three that I just mentioned that are on this card. you got, I, I imagine, DJ's on that card. Chael Sonnen, I guess, is from Portland. Uh, give me give me some names. Who am I forgetting? Um,
4: That's all I can think of, honestly.
0: Well, Peña, Juliana Peña.
4: Yeah, Juliana Peña and me, Mike, yeah, Sam Hughes. This is definitely like a Pacific Northwest card for sure, though.
0: Yeah, Sam Hughes on the card as well, so I shouldn't forget Sam, of course. But uh, she was just added on uh, on late notice. Um, so tell me about your opponent for S.I.M., a very, very uh, dynamic fighter, very similar to yourself. I don't think he's going to be looking to grapple much uh, here. And uh, if you choose to to bring the fight to the ground, we've seen him uh, get held down by uh, you know Jamie Malarkey and, and fighters like that in the past.
4: Exactly. We're just going to be a complete martial artist, and wherever comes, we'll take it.
0: So you don't feel any sort of pressure to get a first round finish and just continue the streak or anything along those lines? If it comes, it comes?
4: Yeah, if it comes, it comes. But I'm just here to win, you know, and and that's the my main job right now. That's just what's going to build. As long as I keep winning, no one can tell me anything.
0: So you've only had one fight that's gone beyond the second round, and you won that fight. So you're confident that uh, if it does go into the third round or whatever, your gas tank's... Something that you know you've you've been training for, of course, is is to go all three rounds. But you're not worried about your gas tank failing or anything along those lines. We do ten rounds sparring
4: every Friday.
0: Ten five-minute yeah. rounds. Yeah. Geez, is that normal? We're the only gym that
4: do that. <laughs> so I know. I'm ready for it.
0: Okay. I thought I might be missing something here. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, just being in a case for, for 10 rounds and just like hitting a bag is probably exhausting. Having to mentally focus on another opponent. So do you, do you have the same opponent for all of those rounds or are you mixing and matching? Mixing it up every round, different looks every time. All right. So what does that 10th round feel like when you're training and you've gone, I guess, 45 plus minutes of, uh, of sparring?
4: Um it's not that bad now, you know. My coach Paul Fons knows what he's doing. He got us all ready to go.
0: Okay, how about the first time you did it? What was what was that like mentally for you? The first time,
4: so I'm pretty sure I left like halfway. I was like, "All right, I'm only doing five rounds."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so at what point did 10 rounds become like kind of a comfortable thing? How many times did you have to do it before it was like 10 rounds was was all good?
4: Well, once I did it like four uh, Chained there for like a month I
0: was used to it wow that's uh that's pretty impressive just being able to do that in general let alone having to focus on uh on different opponents giving you different looks all the time but how many people are in your gym um that that are around your weight class and uh you know how many training partners do you have out there that uh, are, are competing right now
4: like four or five but I train with everyone no matter I'd like to get different looks so
0: are you training with guys like Brady Heastan are you are you uh cross training at all
4: uh, I went there for a couple days, like like two days. I trained with this kid named Ashton Charlton. He's on the come up. He just made his pro debut.
0: Yeah. So tell me about Fares Iam. When you uh, have watched his fights, what what stands out to you about him?
4: Um, just his distance control. He knows how to box and he has fast kicks. But I'm not I'm not worried about his power at all. To be honest, we're ready to get in his face and. We'll make it a scrap. I already know he's probably more tech, tech more tactical than I am, cause he's been doing stand up a lot longer. But I'll make it dirty, you know. And I know when I lands clean, it could be game over.
0: I saw another interview you did. You uh you were diagnosed with ADHD, uh, you know, early in your life, and you were taking Adderall. Kevin Lee recently had an issue where uh, he was uh, prescribed Adderall and was suspended by, I think, it was the Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, as a result of taking it in competition. Um, what do you think of of that situation? And and uh, you know, obviously, it's not being used for performance-enhancing uh, properties, but uh, it is banned in competition for whatever reason.
4: Well, if he's diagnosed with it, I don't see the problem with him taking it. But, you know, it can help your focus if you're ADHD, but uh, I already know he's going to be extremely focused in a fight either way. I think taking the medicine actually made me more tired when I used to have to compete on it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you stopped taking it you know, several years ago, so do you take any sort of medication for ADHD, or you just kind of roll with it?
4: No, I just roll with it, it's be myself.
0: Do you feel like it helps you uh, in, in some way with fighting, because you're able to, you know probably learn a lot of different things at once and, and be able to take all that information in.
4: Yeah, yeah, and it makes me just like crazy fast reaction time. and I can see stuff right away.
0: What's the most distracted you've ever gotten during a fight?
4: Like sometimes I just I like like back in the day when I used to wrestle a train, I'll be looking at my coach and be like, yeah, did you see that pretty much? I'd go there the whole time like playing around.
0: Has anyone in the audience ever distracted you?
4: Nah, when I'm in the cage, I'm locked in. I'm just thinking about my opponent.
0: Remember George St. Pierre said once he he locked eyes with Cindy Crawford cage side during a fight, and it like stopped him in his tracks. He couldn't concentrate for like a couple seconds and had to like snap back into it.
4: No, nah, I'll be in the zone. I'm staring at the guy. I'm trying to, trying to see everything, see his movement, see see if he's he's too excited. We're looking for it all.
0: What are some things you, that you, you think you notice that other fighters don't notice when you're in there about an opponent that, that is kind of a tell? Um if they're like
4: screaming or pounding on their chest, things like that, I can tell they're a little bit nervous. Or if they're like pacing back and forth, I can tell like they're ready, you know. But they got they they're excited too at the same time. Person just just shaking, I can tell they're loose they are done it before, and they're ready to go. You can tell when someone's game, like, man, when he was warming up, I knew for a fact he didn't care, and he, he knew he, he knew he could beat me, and I could see it in his eyes.
0: And what's something that, like, would be, you know, if you notice something about a fighter right when the fight was about to start, that would be a little bit nerve-wracking for you? Like, is there somebody that is a little bit too calm that would be, that would kind of throw you off? Well, uh, no. There's nothing. Uh, so there's never been an opponent where you look across, and you're like, wow, this guy's really dialed in.
4: No, I just, I, I'm nervous for every fight to be honest, but I just, I like, I just handle, channel that energy, you know. Cause I know at this level like, everyone is dangerous, you know.
0: Now, here's kind of a weird question. You do all this training for these fights, and like, like I said, the last one lasted seven seconds. Your U- fastest UFC debut finish in the history of the promotion. Uh, when, when you have a fight like that, <laughs> does it feel like you've done all this hard work and all this hard work, and now you know you wish you could show off more, you know, a little bit more of your skills in the cage, or are you is your thought process? That you put in the work so that you can do what you just did.
4: Exactly, I put in the work so we can get out there and get it done fast. I could eat sooner, anything I want go chill with my family, and my mom can be relaxed, you know, my family can be relaxed. It's a win-win when you do it like that.
0: How did you celebrate after that last win, obviously the biggest win of your career?
4: We went to Gossip Fire steak. went and joined iRadio Sports at the Little Sandig they were throwing. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
0: You went to the, the Jason House house? Yes, sir. <laughs> well... I appreciate your time, Terrence. Thanks for doing this, and I look forward to seeing your second fight in the UFC for S.I.M. this weekend at UFC Fight Night. It's uh, Pacific Northwest Celebration with yourself, Sam Hughes, Michael Chiesa, Misha Tate, and uh, we're looking forward to watching it from the East Coast here in Toronto. I appreciate your time. No problem, man. Thank you, man.
4: It's a pleasure to be on the show.
0: A huge thank you to all of our guests, Kayla Harrison, Misha Tate, Michael Chiesa, and Terrence McKinney. Pleasure speaking with all of them. Uh, about everything going on in their lives. Of course, three of them have fights on Saturday. And who knows where Kayla Harrison's next stop is going to be. I'm very intrigued to see what ends up happening. I guess the big story from this interview is that the PFL had a chance to lock her in. And something, I don't know what what it wasn't they weren't offering. But uh, that was on the table. That's very, uh, very interesting news. Anyhow, we'll see you next week. We actually, we won't see you next week. There's no card next week. So I don't think there's going to be an interview edition. If I do interview someone, I'll probably tack it on to the main show. So uh, you can keep your ears open for that one. If you uh, end up seeing it in your feed, it'll probably be an interview that's part of the main show for uh, next week. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, feel free to uh, rate and review the show uh, wherever you get it. That always helps the uh, aggregator machines to make sure that... Uh, we are towards the top of the mixed martial arts podcast charts. So I uh, always appreciate that. Appreciate your patronage and look forward to speaking you, with you again next week.
1: Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.